On the first day, you hear them. On the second day, you hear them. On the third day, you still hear them, because you're listening to America's most transmissible podcast, The Pod People. We transmit, you listen. I'm the M.T. man, Matisse Van Rossum. (laughs) I'm Ben Sheets, and I got a case of the itchy brain. And I'm Cleveland Mosier, and sorry boys, I'm going all bald this episode. I forgot my tool pay. (laughs) I want to be mad at you for that one, but it's too good. I can't. Dude. I, I wasn't even sitting on that one. I, I we started straight you, off the dome. You started just recording like a, and just I, like a toupee. I, I, well, I, just, I realized as soon as you started recording, I, I forgot to have a name, and then the panic made it better. Well, you did it, and bud. It always does. Yeah. All right. Well, this evening we are going to be talking about uh, a film that I have chosen for us. This is going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, a film that was released last year, The Empty Man, uh, written and directed by David Pryor, and it's about uh, a girl with the worst haircut in the world who goes missing and an ex-cop who has to track her down and stop a cult from doing cult things. Batiste, this came out last year. That's forever ago. That means this is basically like a classic movie. Yeah, this is Why a, are we covering this? This is an oldie. yeah. Uh, we famously never cover old movies. Yeah. We only no one, no one likes old movies. That's stupid. This is officially the oldest film we've ever covered. On the um, it's true. It, it's totally factual. Well, this episode is starting out just as convoluted as this movie is, so I think Good. it's appropriate. Um, to sort of recap what we hinted at at the end of last week's episode, um, this is a film that came out uh, in October of 2020. It was one of the last films made under the 20th Century Fox logo before they were acquired by Disney. And uh, it got critically panned, made like no money. Um, Part of that is releasing in COVID. It's just not a good time to release. But in the last few months, this movie has been gaining kind of a cult following a little bit, uh, appropriately. (laughs) It's something that I have seen come across my social media dashboard uh, plenty of times, and so we decided to check it out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the the backstory of this movie, because I was doing a little extra reading on it, and apparently uh, this director, first-time director, from what I... The, uh, yeah, I was looking at his um, credits, and he was like a second string director on like the girl with the dragon tattoo. He worked closely with David Fincher mm-hmm. a lot in the past. He did like a lot of the behind the scenes and extras for David Fincher's DVDs and Blu-rays and all that stuff. Um, but this was a rare case of a first-time director getting basically a blank check to do whatever he wanted from a big studio like 20th Century Fox. And honestly, that's something that doesn't really happen anymore. No. And, you know, this movie... I think that applies to a lot of things about this movie. I'm kind of surprised this movie got made. this movie is based on a graphic novel, but apparently it is not like the source material at all. It very much strays away from that's, the source material. That's what I gathered, too. I haven't read the graphic novel, but I was trying to like read up on the graphic novel a little bit, 
And from like the synopsis and stuff that I was reading, it seems like it's completely different from yep. this movie. Yep. So this so dude really just did whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah, and I'm I, glad y'all write up on it because I didn't want to be the guy again to be like an authority on like the comic book part. I didn't I didn't want to be that guy. Well, this, this episode. I think I think we're hardly an authority. None of us have actually read it. Yeah. Uh, we just did a little. But you're loosely familiar. It. Like I'd be curious to hear some of the differences, but maybe uh, later. Get into I, I don't know the differences. I didn't read up on it. I just know that. It's not I didn't read similar up that much on it at all. Um, yeah, I, I think the how this got made element is the most fascinating part of this movie for me because you know it is like two hours and sixteen minutes or yeah, something like that. Almost two and a half hours, insanely long, especially for a studio horror movie. It Slow. has it has no major stars. Steven yeah. Root makes a small cameo. Bill Dotrieve um, from uh, King of the Hill, the guy who did his yeah. voice, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no major stars. And we'll talk about how it falls into some genre trappings at times. Mm. Um, but for a lot of it, it kind of goes in a very different direction. It tries some things that I was very surprised to see in, like, a big studio release. Yeah, and so apparently, you know, like you said earlier, this was one of the final 20th century Fox films. And after he completed it, he turned it into the studio and they showed test screenings and everyone hated it. And so they're like, they're going to, we're going to butcher your movie and cut it down to 90 minutes. Just release it as a 90 minute version. They rise of skywalker it. And so they cut it down to 90 minutes, did test screenings of the 90 minute version and it tested way Even worse. worse. Wow. Yeah, like than, Rise of Skywalker. Than the yeah. long version. So they were like, well, we'll just dump it in theaters amidst COVID. No one's going to see it. It'll play for like a week and that'll be that. I think it did like a million uh, box office opening weekend, which is kind of surprising. Like I would have expected even less. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting that they chopped it down to 90 minutes and it tested worse because I think there is a great 90 minute movie in this movie. I agree. What What I will say out of the gate is that I went into this expecting to land on one side of the aisle and be like, okay, this sucks, I see why it bombed, I see why it was dumped, or be like, this is great, I see why people are loving it now. And I find myself weirdly in between, because I can absolutely see both sides of the argument. I I can see why people hated this movie, but I also see why people are saying that it is like uh, a, a, a film that deserves to be seen. And I, I agree because I actually liked this movie quite a bit, despite how fucking messy it is. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, I think it's a movie that deserves an audience for sure. Yeah, I think th- they have a lot of interesting ideas and what's so interesting about this movie to me is it does so many things that you would not expect a studio film to do and you know like i said earlier or i hinted at earlier kind of it at times falls into studio genre conventions and then it veers away from them and you I, know just minutes afterwards like yeah. the the big crux of the film with the the girl going missing mm-hmm. because of summoning the empty man or whatever it feels like 
you know, a cliche yes. genre movie type of thing. And then it just goes in a massively different direction with it. A lot of the great ideas are ballsy because they require a lot of trust and faith in the viewer. Yes. A lot. The The core premise, the big twist, all of those things rely on the the viewer to like not judge it outright at the beginning which frankly pretty hard to do i found myself you know like poo-pooing like some of the decisions and other things like as we're going into it enjoying many others but i was i was pretty unsure about this film until like i i caught on like i caught a whiff of what they were doing and then and then i was a little more impressed i went into it pretty open-minded but even so like there were definitely a few times where i started to lose faith in the movie yeah um and and i think that those concepts could be done better like well, I think that they could they could well, be sold in a fashion you could still get away with those ballsy decisions and and probably honestly play into them a little more. I just think it has a hard time deciding what kind of horror movie it wants to be. Yes. By the end it has figured it out, but there's a lot in I'd say the first half of this movie that kind of gave me like subgenre whiplash a little bit. <laughs> like there's all this stuff at the beginning or after the intro, which is its whole own thing yeah. that we'll talk about. But there's this whole part where it's like the empty man is like a like a candy man kind of thing, like an urban legend that you like summon by doing a ritual. And then it gets into like slasher territory where it feels like I I know what you did last summer or like sorority row or something like that. And then halfway through the movie and most of the way to the end, it goes like full cosmic horror. And that stuff is the, is what I think is like really, really ballsy, really bold and does ask a lot of the audience to like stay with the movie till you get to the part where it gets really interesting. I just really could have gone for more of that at the beginning. I will say I was not, I was never bored during this movie, despite its length. There were times, there were times where I was like, uh, I don't know if I like where it's going, but I was at least engaged. Yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I think ballsy is a great term for it because, you know, uh, let's talk about that intro a little bit because yes. I think we should probably start at the beginning. And I don't think I've seen a studio horror movie do a almost thirty minute prologue like that. the The title the title comes in twenty minutes into the movie. It is an extremely extended sort of like prologue. I mean, it is a two hour and twenty minute movie, but I was kind of impressed by that. Honestly. Yeah, and I I think that stuff is shot really interesting. You have a bunch of hikers in Bhutan, Bhutan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know one of them falls into a crevasse, and there's a sort of gross looking, creepy skeleton thing. Yeah, well, they, well it's, it's almost a direct rip from uh, Zdzislaw Beksinski painting with all the full yeah, fingers, the extra, yeah. all like the yeah, the the way too many fingers. Each hand has like fifteen fingers, mm-hmm. um, and it's sort of combined with like a Shiva you know, sort of sculpture. Like, it's sort of, it's got, like, the four limbs and then, you know, like, the Polish Beksinski, like, too many fingers, decay, corpse-like qualities. So, it looks horrifying. And I, and I, an, I love the design. It's an incredible prop. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. It's, it's yeah. striking, yeah. Um, it's, 10 out of 10. And it's, it's very, it's creepy, too. Like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's a great tone setter for the film. I, honestly, I, I think that this movie starts very strong. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would even say that, like, the first 20 20 minutes 
would make a perfectly suitable, good, even self-contained short film. Yeah, because I I think it it ends, you know, and then we like jump in, we jump to a different time and place. So like you could take that first 20 minutes and just have it be its own thing. And it has a beginning, a middle and an end characters, an arc something happens like it, it like really set me up to like root for this movie what? even at, even at the times where i was liking it less i would think back to the intro and be like i still want this movie to, i still want this movie to be good while i largely agree i do have a couple of hang-ups with the premise and the setup but they are minor and all very forgivable because generally uh this is one of my all-time favorite concepts in horror. Um, I don't think it's done often enough. And I think we're going to see more of it. Like even considering how this film did, I still believe that we've got the Sandman series is being produced right now. I'm crossing. God, I hope that's good. All of my God, fingers. I hope that's I, good. I'm worried, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, I, hope it I don't is. know how you can do it properly, but this is game esque uh, largely because it pulls from the same source material that the game often does um, when it comes to like tulpas and thought forms. And I want more of that. The whole point of American gods. Exactly. And my own work is like largely influenced by this same concept uh, and premise. The one thing where it works quite well for Gaiman and that I try to apply my own work as well is that it takes the concept of tulpas and it does something different with them. It, it utilizes the idea of thought forms, and it, it leaves it at that, whereas this movie, it never strays away from the core concept, but there are some problems in that. <sighs> One, the, the problem is, like, being, like, largely familiar with tulpas and, and whatnot is mysticism. We don't really have any lens or opportunity to, like, treat this, like, facet of, like, Tibetan Buddhism as anything other than, like, just a mystical thing. In my eyes, it's not it's not a big it's it's not a huge complaint. Like it, it it's cool to see it done at all, frankly, uh, especially on a budget. But it, it's going to be hard for me to talk about this without spoiling the majority of the film. So I can I can I can put a pin in it and come back to it later if you want. Yeah, let's let's hold on to that but, for a, a yeah, minute. But I think put, I'm going to put some of those ideas. In I the think back some of those though. the turn that you're talking about is what makes it work for me, and I think that is what makes a lot of the first half of this film work for me is because you're kind of set up to think this is one type of movie. I think it'll be better on rewatches for me, honestly. And it was good, and it was good on a first watch, but I think knowing how it succeeds in the end is going to make the stuff that I'm... I have concerns with in the the first half a little bit more forgivable. I just think that, like, it's not even necessarily just in execution, but just not being able to cleanly define, like, what kind of horror movie it is for a good chunk of the movie, I think it's just kind of, it's just kind of sloppy. It ends up working, but I think it's just, like, there's too many ideas, some of which could be trimmed down. Like, the part where uh, the the girl gets killed in, in the spa or in the sauna. Yeah. That scene feels like it's out of a completely different movie. You know what I mean? I I personally don't mind the genre bouncing. I like when a movie does that. It's it's a fun way to mix things up. You know, as long as like each aspect is done well, it's fine. Uh, the cinematography like like you mentioned a moment ago, Ben, is is fan fucking tastic. The the props are very good. Anytime you're seeing something 
or something is occurring, it's quality. Most of my concerns come from the pacing, and it is weird. I, I, I acknowledge it is weird that this is coming from me, Mr. I love to sit in a movie. Uh, like that's Yeah, like, Mr. I love a, a whole movie where nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love ambiance and ambience, and I love all the, those good, gooey, molasses moments that I can bask in. But, but here... The pacing's slow, man. I like ambience when I'm I'm just getting to like sit in a forest, you know, or or uh, enjoy like atmosphere. Like uh, the opening sequence, like the the pacing is solid because there's like a a storm. We're in a, a cool and a really cool environment that's this well dressed, and the tension is very real, you know, created by this this well big air quotes around real, but uh, by this 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 creature. Something is stalking them. The, their friend but that they find sitting after in front that, of it is like catatonic. Yeah, but we didn't the, really talk about the, the whole half of the movie after that sequence is suburbia, where I'm invested in no character. The plot is moving at a slow pace as well. And we're just sitting and expecting to like we're we're supposed to just bask with these characters like in the silence when we have like just nothing or at least I had like nothing compelling me to be interested in these characters or have any like joy for them in the first the first half. Why don't we go back to the the opening sequence a little bit? Another concern I had with it is the characters are really fucking stupid. They would just make like endless dumb decisions. It's a horror movie. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah but there are plenty of films that like horror films that that don't succumb to that. Let's be completely fair. But we're once again like like asked to like sit with these characters for a while like after they keep making stupid decisions. It just doesn't do much for I me. I don't feel like to, any of the decisions they made were particularly yeah, stupid. To like, me, I think when when normal. your buddy like falls down a crevasse and you rappel down after him. It's a hell of a drop. And he's not where he fell. He's like a ways down. And he's sitting upright in front of a giant fucking alien monster statue thing. And he's surrounded in a ring of stones. And he whispers, if you touch me, you'll die. I'm not going to touch him. I think that was really stupid. I think it's typical for Westerners to be skeptical of Eastern mysticism of any form or... Like that doesn't surprise me. A bunch of tourists hiking and in all, Bhutan, and also like not. We as I the, mean, maybe if like he hadn't seen the giant alien. We thing. as the we as the viewer know that there's something supernatural at play, but like if we're expecting this to take place in in a real world, like there's a giant supernatural thing right in front of him, though. It's not inherently supernatural. Yeah. Like they don't know who could have put that there. Like we know that it's supernatural, but it's just like you said, it's just a big skeleton statue thing. Local Locals could have carved that or something and put it there. Yeah, you know? again, like Ben says, skeptical of Eastern mysticism. Like if the three of us were hiking in Bhutan and I fell down a crevasse and you repelled after me and found me sitting in front of a statue, if I said, if you touch me, you'll die, would I would you, get a rope would you literally and I would pull you out. Me? I have rope in that scenario. I repelled down. I'd get a rope and I'd pull you out of the circle. Yeah, but you're thinking too rationally for somebody who just saw one of their friends like fall down a crevasse and found them in a weird position like you're thinking with like the logic of being separated from it you know also he was far down the crevasse are you just gonna drag him on the ground like if my buddy fell down a crevasse like and and was like acting weird i would probably still touch him because i'm like hey i gotta get you out of here like you're being weird bro let's go (laughs) like it's it's purely a personal preference for me like when i'm watching a movie i i like 
to be able to you know put myself in the the role of the protagonist and ask what would I do and I think a lot of people feel the same way it's fun like and movies often provide a fun outlet for that for me personally and uh, that's all I don't think it's an irrational decision though it's not like they're frat bros that like destroyed the weird statue or anything like that like it doesn't go overkill with it I think the big thing is they're fucking tourists in Bhutan. Of course, they're going to not necessarily think everything is supernatural. I, mean, I just, I just right think he, yeah, I just think he was just freaked out and wanted to get him and his friend out of there and did not want to uh, take the time to like sit and try to logic it out. Like if you're if you're freaked out, you're scared, you're not thinking rationally, you don't make rational decisions. So like that's why I, I think it, it's it's believable is like I need to get myself and my friend out of this cave with this alien skeleton thing that i don't know what it is i don't know where it came from and my buddy's acting weird like we need to get out of here like i i think that i i think that in that scenario you're not taking a step back and thinking like well he said that if i touch him i'll die so maybe he's gotten cursed by this thing so i should grab a rope and pull him out and not touch him like i don't think i don't think in that scenario you're thinking that kind of thing I yeah i think i think, here. I think a lot of here. it is a viewer's distance like for example later in the the prologue sequence you have that like flute and the girl kind of blows on toots the, it yeah, yeah toots it and it's like yeah they don't attach an extra supernatural value to us, but us as a viewer does. Yeah, because we know, you know we're watching a horror movie yeah. called The Empty Man. Well, she, yeah. she didn't see the bone thing. She did not. So yeah, she, she didn't well. see the alien. Yeah. To us, it may seem like a dumb decision to blow into a, a spooky flute. Well, no, no. Like, well, I mean, like, she also didn't have that context, you know. Exactly, again. exactly. Yeah, whereas, like, I still feel like a yeah, giant, giant alien looking thing. Like, I, I feel like that's that's enough for me, but... No, uh, dumb American tourists be dumb American tourists. I can see the the yeah, realism I mean, in that. Like, I don't I don't disagree there. The guy who um, filled up there looked like uh, Justin I, Trudeau, for God's sake. Yeah, and, and it is it is totally all right that y'all find it gratifying. I didn't. Well, it's not that I know. necessarily found it gratifying. It's just that I it didn't bother me. Well, again, it only bothered me in a small, small way because, again, I was getting to look at this amazing cool designed hyper alien death god that rules that's like my favorite kind of thing so like it it's again it's a very small bit nitpick i had made a note of it while watching it i think the conclusion of that prologue is pretty cool where they're at the edge of the bridge Mm -hmm. um when it's just snowing really hard and you know, they all get killed off and, you know. Well, he, uh, the the guy who, who was uh, sitting before the alien skeleton has been sort of catatonic for the last couple of days. And we do get a shot that I did think was pretty funny. I think it's just the cut of, uh, like, his girlfriend sleeping. And it just cuts to him, like, really right next to her ear, just, like, whispering into her ear really close. <laughs> Assuming, like, uh, floating over her or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, yeah. And, but but the, the whispers, it, it's just, like, it's the same kind of sound as, like, the when Gandalf, like, whispers to the moth yeah. to, to bring the eagles. It's, it's, uh, it sounds like sweet nothings. <laughs> and that's, that's yeah, really it's good. Spooky, it's, but it's not. It's, it's uh, I, I do think that was pretty funny. Yeah, we, yeah, we all laughed. But, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> just like, he goes missing 
and they go out into the blizzard to find him and find him sitting at the bridge. Bridges are very uh, thematically relevant in the movie. Uh, sitting at the bridge, and he has the little flute, and he's tooting into it, because tooting into things is also thematically very significant in this movie. It is. Um, I'm a fan of that. But I'm a then, fan of a toot. Yeah, who doesn't love a good toot? And we'll get more into that. Uh, but uh, then uh, his girlfriend who he was whispering into her ear uh, the night before, pulls out a knife and stabs their other two friends and throws them off the cliff. And then she uh, falls off the cliff herself. And then we get the, the the title card, which we did all laugh at because the empty man comes up, but the P is just gone. So it, it just says M space t man yeah the the em as it like zooms around and we were expecting the p to like flicker in at some point yep. you know to like fill it out but nope we just fly into that void and it's like i get what they're going for like i get it but it is pretty funny yeah it is kind of dumb <laughs> it's kind of dumb <laughs> well, again you flicker in the p like at some point you do the yes. whole logo i get that it's the empty man but so you you make it empty for a little bit and then you give me the whole title Otherwise, it, it it just remains the the empty man, the the emergency medical thank you man. <laughs> uh, like I don't the EMTY man. I it it, it doesn't the emergency medical thank you man. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> well, yeah. then we we jump to uh, the the meat of the film, uh, which is uh, in Missouri. And uh, our we're introduced to our protagonist almost 30 minutes into the film. He is a retired cop who works at like a security store and his friend's daughter goes missing. She disappears after showing up at his house and saying some spooky, vaguely mystical things. She goes missing. And uh, because he's got the hots for her mom he decides to take on the case. I don't know if I was as bored as you were, Cleveland, but I do think a lot of the initial investigation stuff is one of the weaker parts of the film and also part of what I mean, too, where it's, like, tonally, like, what kind of horror movie is this? It, it tries to do, like, gritty, dark, like, police crime drama. It, it tries to do, like, the true detective kind of deal a little bit. I just think a lot of that is kind of superfluous well, i don't feel like it really helps the story overall but it's, tr it's true detective done true detective works because our protagonists are fucking matthew are mcconaughey and yeah. woody harrelson like powerhousing like all over the goddamn place i don't like, think this actor's terrible he's uh, fine and he's fine but, uh, but also, he's not as interesting of a character he's but, not i think and again there's a, re there's a reason there's a reason that. for that but guess what when i'm sitting there in the moment i'm being introduced as character and i don't know the reason for that like, who is this guy he he's still like from my perspective like at that you know like for that very large portion like his of wife, time his, his boring he has like <laughs> dreams and stuff like his wife and child died in a car accident like wow never before. seen that with a detective it's before like, yeah so he's that's why he quit the force or whatever i don't yeah. know yeah and, and again 
like again like yes there's a reason for that but like when it's all happening i'm just saying like in real time like what my brain and i'm sure many brains were doing uh is just going through like yep all right wife and kid died in a car accident he's he's all gritty and gravelly like you know noir protagonists have been since the 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 fucking 30s it's like cool 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 cool. i want to see more of that skeleton please yeah where's the where did the skeleton go can you bring him back many fingered skeleton yeah and the setup of the empty man and like the summoning of the empty man is very generic yes it is intentionally generic you know you you go from like him finding the empty man made me do it written out in blood on the mirror (sighs) yeah and you know he goes to talk to one of the girl's friends and the empty man made me do it real quick yeah but, but that's it's writing the empty man made me do it it's not spooky. It's, it's not, not scary. And it's I'm, not I'm, scary, and it's super generic. The, co- the new Conjuring movie that's coming out is the, the what the is it? The devil made the me devil do made it. me do yeah. it. I just want to say to producers or whoever is like gre- or whoever are green lighting those decisions, like whoever's responsible for that sort of thing. Like it's something a child says, and like not even in a scary way. It's it's just like oh my brother made me do it. It's comedic. It's not. Once it's not again, scary. I think that by the end that has some justification, but. Yeah, like yeah. You said, and, in the moment, and, the first time, and is, you know, like eh. I, I was going into the section and kind of almost groaning a little bit and getting worried about the film because yes, you know the too. way you summon the empty man is you go to a bridge and toot into a, an empty bottle and think about the empty man yeah. real hard. Yeah, that's like that's. It's, Which is, it's just fucking Candyman. Yeah, it's, it's an just incredibly generic setup. And, like, I'm also, we're not too many years separated from the Bye Bye Man for that to not be an association either. And I don't, I have not seen that movie. Uh, I would like to cover it on the podcast at some point. But I've not seen that movie. But I do remember that, like, the tagline, because it's, like, part of the, the mythos or whatever, is uh, don't think it, don't say it because the bye-bye man will come for you if you think about him and say his name so to have the empty man be like go to a bridge and get an empty bottle and blow into it and think about the empty man real hard it's like it's impossible to not make that yeah and they, they even go further and say like it takes three days for you to die. Like on the, the first day, the first you can't day. stop thinking of him. On the on the first day, you hear him. On the second day, you see him. On the third day, he finds you. And what does that mean? Has he not found you the first? The, or by the time you can see him on the second day, or by when you're hearing him, like has he not found you by then? See, see, Candyman is effective because it's childish, but also it's very quick, right? You just say Candyman five times in well, a yeah, year, it's, it's and it's blood, done. It's Bloody Mary, exactly. But, but like, that's also like Candyman is and, about and Bloody like, Mary works. the power of urban legends mm-hmm. as thought forms, and like, in fairness, and like done, the Empty Man done better. The Empty Man is that too, also. Yeah. And Candyman but, is another great example of what I was talking about earlier with like like Neil Gaiman and like it's 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 the Candyman absolutely is a tulpa, but yes. it, it it never says it. I definitely agree that it's done better in this section. Yes. 
and that's, know, all I'm, that's all I'm saying. You know, all like, I, mean. I think mm-hmm. this movie circles to some interesting places. It, does. it gets more high concept yeah. than Candyman does, It becomes more interesting. And I think some of the generic elements of this intro, while I didn't like it when originally viewing it, kind of in retrospect, I appreciate it slightly more just mm-hmm. because, A, it took me way off guard when they went in such a different direction and B it kind of plays into the idea of the third act which yes I again don't want to dive into too much until we're ready to talk about that well, that's that's the thing and we've mentioned it a couple of times but it's like as this it's the kind of movie that these decisions make sense a degree of sense in hindsight, but while you're sitting in them the first time watching them, like the movie is asking for a lot of your like trust. Like this movie is saying like, please trust me. I'm going to pay off. And it does, but I can see why for the length that it is and for the pace that it is and for the things that it does ask of the audience, why by the time it gets to the ending, a lot of people are just so turned off that they just, yeah. that they well, write it. It has a self-confidence that. to that, yeah. which is uh, again, ballsy. It will turn people off, obviously, but it's I, ball- I think it's a, they took I, a risk. I respect it. it they took a risk re- and ways. a risk that I don't think ultimately paid off for them. Uh, I think it paid off artistically, but uh, in terms of making like a movie, <laughs> that- it's not Here, a crowd pleaser. Here's the thing. I still but think, okay. yeah, you can you can have that ballsy decision, but reinforce it in a way that maintains intrigue. At the end of the day, like you're making a film, I don't necessarily think like it's that ballsy or impressive to like expect your average viewer to like sit through like your entertainment film and have it be like intentionally boring. Like I, I don't think that that's necessarily like like high art or or whatever else. Like these are these it's it, this film it's a horror film for entertainment at the end of yeah. the day. I, and I so don't, I don't necessarily think that that's a successful or, or good choice. I don't to think make. it's, and, and I, and I'm, I'm with you kind of, I don't think, I don't think it's being intentionally boring. Like it, it's made with the kind of confidence where I think that David Pryor fully believes in every aspect of this film. And when I say that, I think that there's a great 90 minute film in this, a lot of the stuff that can be cut is this shit that we're talking about now. And whether it works for you or not, it's not super integral to the story, really, by the end. It's ultimately kind of a red herring. It is a, a lot little of bit. Ways. It is. And and I think there's something interesting about that, but I do think that it's a big, to do something like that is a big risk and one that I don't think pays off in a lot of ways. Here's the- I, I think that I can... Sorry. I it, it works for me by the end, but I could not argue with somebody who says that this movie is uh, bad and boring and convoluted. I could say I disagree, and I think that I, I I like a lot of things that it does. But like, if somebody said that, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I see why you feel that way. I get it. I do. Because yeah. here's the thing about red herrings, right? They're a sleight of hand. They're a distraction. And if your sleight of hand is like 45 minutes long (laughs) and boring again, boring, subjective, Uh, I didn't think it was particularly boring. I just thought it was I just thought it was confusing. Yeah, I I don't know if if I found it like so confusing per se, because like it it's pretty straightforward, right? Totally confusing. 
Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Bouncy. narratively, narratively right, right. that part is straightforward. There's a lot of more confusing stuff later on. I think part of what hurts that chunk of the movie is how strong the first 20 minutes is. That opening sets a, a very specific tone, and then the next, like, hour or so of the movie is tonally very mm-hmm. different to go from one to the other is weird and I, I i don't love that i think the real turning point for me with that stuff is the first you know introduction of the pontifex institute i agree completely and that's where that movie really kicks into gear again that's where the tone matches the first part of the movie and i started seeing stuff that was like okay, this is cool, I'm really engaged again. Yeah, the first time we, we meet the Pontifex Institute, yeah. yes, I agree. Because the way the, for, the, the Pontifex Institute is foreshadowed is not good. Um, and it's a shame, because, like, again, the Pontifex Institute rules. I agree. I think that is where the, the turning point comes around. To have our protagonist, who is, like, we have no, like, point of relation to, like, uh, not even, like, on a personal level, but also, like, on a on a plot level, we're, we're just sort of, like, thrown into this person's lap and left to be like, okay, how how is this person related to the people from the beginning? Like, is he, is he not? That's fine. But, like, there's, like, okay, he's the brother's friend's boyfriend. Like, okay, who who is he? No, he and, and he used to work um, with, he used to work Oh, I know, I'm doing a space girls. balls. Like, oh. Uh, but um, you're, I'm your brother's friends, sisters, cousins, roommate. Ah, um, yes. uh, but that can be all right. Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't mind like just being thrown into a film and having to like piece it together myself. But the motive to do so is is a little was a little bit lacking for me when the girl disappears and we're given like this like silly like toot on a bottle on a bridge, uh, <laughs> which sounds like a, like a bluegrass lyric. But uh, can we? All, I sorry, I just want to mention her haircut really quick. The worst yes, haircut it's time. Yeah, it is, it time. is truly a a bowl cut for the ages. Yo, she looks. Like Will from Stranger Things. Man. She does. She does. She got she's, that 17th century monk. She's child. like a, she's, yeah. like an eight, she's like an 18 year old yeah. like sad punk girl. And like she is a child. Like that's fine. But she she looks like she's seven. You know, like she, she well she looks like a seven year old boy. Yeah, she's an 18 year old girl and she looks like a seven year old. Which boy. is fine. Look however you want. But it, it, well, she looks okay. Well. <laughs> She looks like the berries and cream boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> berries and cream, which is a man, um, which is even funnier. Yeah, uh, but he behaves like, like a boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is why it's funny. It's, it's the berries and cream man rules. Um, uh, I wish I wish you'd just been the berries and cream man now. But uh, talk about total total. Uh, and I, I will I will say her haircut does hurt some of the like dramatic spooky scenes it is, at the very end. It is very distracting. It's extremely uh, yeah. distracting. It, it would have been way less distracting if it had been like bright blue. Like yeah, I agree. It, it, but a normal haircut. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, just like a Twitch streamer look, you know, like something like that, or like a YouTuber, like just look like that. You know, you're you're a youth. It makes sense. But, yeah, or like cl- cl- short, close cropped hair is fine, whatever. But it's it is like a it is like a middle a middle age like monk haircut. Like yeah. it's, it is it's a, like a fucking bowl. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to take anything going on in the movie seriously at that point. Wh- and, like the first whenever she's yeah. involved, the first time we meet her, she says a bunch of like weird mystical shit that I'm sure 
is relevant to stuff later in the movie. Again, if you're the writer or director. But I cannot remember a single thing she said in <laughs> but, that scene yeah, for, because I for was the audience, fixated though. on her fucking haircut. Yeah, exactly. I was, like, I was like, who is this? Well, yeah, it's it's both those things compounded for me. It's a well, lot. Like, we, don't know, we don't know who she is. We don't is. know who this person he is. comes home and she's and, sitting by his pool in the backyard. And again, like, like I, I, think, I think like, and again, like, I don't necessarily, like, I know I was the one to like to first use the term ballsy, but I'm, I, I might I might be rescinding that because like, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's a ballsy move to just forget about your audience. To have this character just like sit down like and just like, Kind of like say some psycho babble. It's not and then forgetting disappear. about your audience. It's it's the balls to assume that your audience is going to be with you. Yeah, and but not giving them any reason to want to be with you. You know, again, neither here nor there. Like I mean, I personal preference. I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't didn't. so turned off by the introduction of uh, of Little Miss Bullcut that I was. I gave up on the movie at that point. Yeah, I think uh, the ballsiness really comes from it being like we're going to go on this ride. Enjoy it or not, we're going. <laughs> yeah, I have something that I'm trying to say, and you can come with me or not. And I was with him for most of the time, but not always. Yeah. Um, and same. Thankfully, she's really only at that part and then at the end of the movie, because, like, the whole movie is him looking for her. Because she disappears. Because she disappears and writes, The Empty Man Made Me Do It in Blood on her mirror. And one um, other clue. Yeah, well, I did want to talk about that because yeah, we I touched were, on it. We were joking about that. He's like looking through her notebook, like trying to find clues, and she has a photograph and it's like um, a pamphlet of of the the insti- for the institute. Well, she has that in there too, but she had. There's also a photograph. I don't even remember what the photograph is of, but on the back of the photograph is just written the word tulpa. One word, just tulpa. Just that, just tulpa. Like, and it's like. Who is that for other Who than the audience? Who is that for other, exactly. And again, which is weird, because I was well, just and, making and the point about, all, like... Because uh, all it does, all it does is, like, it prompts him later to Google tulpas, and... Yeah, and so we, oh yeah, it, it prompts him to do, like, the stereotypical Google scene. Yeah, so we get a scene of it, like, zooming in on lines on the Wikipedia page for tulpas, and this is, again, where I'll compare it to Candyman, exactly like you said earlier, Cleveland, Candyman is a tulpa. Yeah. But it's never the word tulpa is never said in that movie because it's not important. Like the word tulpa is not important. Like Candyman is a thought form and that is conveyed organically, organically by the end of the movie without the protagonist having to find the word tulpa written on the back of a photograph. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, didn't need to explain to the audience what a tulpa was in its no. history. No, no. And, no. And, and, and for the same reason that Gaiman never does. He makes it his own lore. You know, he doesn't sit down and explain to you, like, where, where he got the idea from. You shouldn't need to. One thing I will say as we're sort of easing into the Pontifex Institute, because I think it's time, mm. um, in her room... And he sees one in one of the other kids' rooms later, too, is a poster that is just black. And at the bottom, it has the Pontifex Institute logo on it. That I'm into. But I don't know if you guys noticed. I didn't notice it until he found the second one. But if you look super duper duper close it's not just a plain black poster it's a super underexposed photograph of the many fingered skeleton yeah yeah i I noticed that too i think that's kind of a cool touch it's It's very cool it's very cool like it's at at first glance it's completely black but like if you look at it really close like you can kind you can just sort of like make out the shape uh and what i noticed too with that is 
not to jump ahead too much, but later that poster is shown in the Pontifex Institute mm-hmm. with a bunch of people like sitting in front of it, chanting and stuff. In and yeah, that's yeah. more praying in front of yeah, it. Yeah, the exposure is a little more clear in that one. It seemed. It, well, I think it's because they're sitting kind of in like a darkened corner, so mm-hmm. you can like see the the highlights on. And it also, like that's around the time when you would want the audience yes. to like catch mm-hmm. it more and realize, like, oh, that was there the whole time. If they did miss it, which is fun, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's talk about the Pontifex Institute because I think that this is when the film really started to grab me again, and I think is the the strongest aspect. Uh, the Pontifex Institute is presented as kind of like a Scientology uh, doomsday kind of cult. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Hippy dippy as well. Um, yeah, you go in, you fill out like a, a like a personality test, like survey, uh, you know, kind of thing, and a very uh, new age self help kind of yeah. uh, uh, organization. It, it's Scientology, very much so. It gives Scientology vibes. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of like yeah those sorts of institutes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but he he goes in and he sits through one of the the speeches by the the Institute's leader, who, as we mentioned, is uh, uh, Stephen Root. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bill Dotrieff. Classic character. Actor. Classic character actor. He's great. Stuff. I love oh, yeah. him. And after that, he kind of sits down and talks with our, our detective, uh, and we get sort of an idea of what the empty man is. Uh, and this part I thought was really cool. I'm very, always very on the fence about like exposition in this kind of way, but I thought this was quite effective. He's talking about stuff like how if you say the same word over and over again and just think about it, it loses its meaning and becomes gibberish and how like nobody thinks about you know, uh, the Nietzsche quote, stare, gaze into the abyss and the abyss gaze back into you. People just say that without it sort of lost its meaning. But thinking about like what that really means to stare into the abyss and what that means for the abyss to stare back into you is like that idea is giving that concept meaning again is the empty man. See, if if the, the girl at the beginning had like said something as poignant as that. Like, and again, obviously not using the word empty man. Too, it would have been too early, though. Well, yeah, yeah like, possibly. Well, I mean, something is poignant. Most of her her jargon at the beginning, it, it reminded me of, like, Michael Sarah's like, uh, biker monologue in, in Twin in Peaks. Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it, it doesn't, it, it, I don't know, like, it was very, like, teenager-y. Well, it's one of those things, it's one of those things it didn't, it didn't like, really come home. It, right, and, like, yeah. if, it, it, if those, I don't know, if it, it, it's been, like, had a little bit more weight. Um, and I get the haircut. I think this is what's more yeah. blame than anything yeah. else. But that, like, that's what does the most damage because um, I don't really remember. what It is she was saying. where I I made the turn for the same reasons because like that that hit me pretty hard in in a, in a, in a great way as well. Like yeah. I, I uh, yeah I was I was pretty moved by like that by that all of my own like like favorite inspirations and like stories like like pull on those same sorts of like points of you know like conjurings and it's cool it, it's, yeah, it's really like when idea. he after that he like the power <laughs> of words we were joking about it but i do really like it is that like he's not actually a cop anymore but he doesn't actually have to do anything crazy to like get into the institute like he after that he just goes walking around and just like ends up in the basement and sees like all of their weird spooky shit like none of it's locked up yeah. <laughs> none of it's it's just like he but just walks what, we also don't ever see anything that would give them cause to lock it up like we never see anyone chained up we never see like anything incriminating so 
they wouldn't have any cause to. Well, I mean, it's just like you wouldn't let people into like just the the basement part of your area of your building like yeah blatantly trespass like you think about scientology for example and they have that shit locked down scientology Scientology, yes but But like a lot of those like other like like free mind hippy dippy stuff which again this is also pulling from like they are very much like that i'm just talking about like avoiding a lawsuit like this if we're getting really realistic because he's going into like the tunnels where there's like pipes and stuff and like steam like it maintenance areas and stuff like that if he especially in america if he had gotten hurt down there he would have had right to see there's one thing most places would there's one thing you need to understand matisse and that's he understands the rules he's lived in san francisco (laughs) he grew up in san francisco those that is one of the funniest recurring events yeah like when he first goes up to take the forum and he's just like yeah i I get this i grew up in san francisco and like i got i got a chuckle out of that but then then he keeps saying he keeps saying no no Dude, and I, I thought it was funny every time. I did too. Yeah, like, it's great. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a solid gag. gag. And like that's what is like that gag was amazing. And I, I wanted like that sort of thing earlier on would have been great. Yeah, like, that was well. Yeah, I because really, really I was suddenly like, around on him eventually. Yeah, like so it, it was times, that moment. Like so many times he sees like weird spooky shit. And he's like what the fuck was that? He just says it. Yeah, Yeah, he he says exactly what the audience is thinking, and, like, he goes from being this boring character that I have, like, no interest in, who's, like, stereotypical, to suddenly being, like, really relatable and fun. And if, if, if I, I just, uh, there had been a little bit of that in that whole 45 minutes beforehand, it would have been great. It's almost like he grows a personality. Oh my god. god. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, I see your point there. I think, there was a little bit of intent behind it, which I, I find interesting. Oh, it was definitely self-aware. The, uh, the cult is trying to lead. Yeah, and I, I, I do appreciate kind of the injection of humor as the movie goes on. And I think it works. It works well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I see where you're coming from as well. It It is missing humor in the in that in the beginning yeah um i i do want to talk a little bit about the conversation with steven root was about a little more i i think it was called the autosphere is what the noosphere noosphere which is an actual concept yeah they Mm. they talk about the noosphere and how it's like the plane of consciousness Mm -hmm. and how humans are not necessarily the only only ones on that plane and I thought conceptually that is an awesome concept to pull into your movie because it's super yeah. cosmic core right there. That's what the empty man. I, I mean, is. it's literally like, the abyss gazing back. Yeah, yeah, uh, that rules. Which, like, yeah. It's very fun, and again, more of that in films. Like and the, that conceptually, they're, that they're trying love this stuff. to that they're trying to the whole goal of the Pontifex Institute is to try to manifest that being, that personality, that consciousness, like into our world and we see a lot of the results of that sort of spooky uh experimentation which is a lot of my favorite shit in the movie honestly like we talked about the people in the basement sitting in front of the uh the black poster i wish i could remember exactly what the mantra that is like playing over the loudspeakers is um it's something like uh nothing exists if it does you cannot see it if you can you cannot 
know it, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, just kind of like what seems like nonsense, but also very spooky and spooky cults are great, yeah. man. I love spooky cults. Um, and, and the setting of that stuff is super spooky mm-hmm. as well. You go mm-hmm. down into the basement and there's like cots, very Jonestown esque set up yep. with like shoes at the end of the bed and everything. Yeah. And you know, he just goes into deeper and deeper basements, it seems. Into, like, the big gymnasium where it's, like, a, it looks like an AA group setup. They've got their chairs in a circle, like, around a, ch- a chalkboard, but they all have bottles, and they're all blowing into the bottles. And I, I think that on its surface, the bottle thing is silly, but upon, like, further reflection, like, it is, it is kind of conceptually interesting, like, you're taking something that is an empty vessel and you're filling it with something. Oh, sure. Like, and to create a communicable sound that transfers, like, it's it's very thematically on point for this movie. Um, and it was something that I was laughing about through a lot of the movie until I stopped to sort of think about mm. what it meant more. Well, it's the I same idea that. as, like, singing bowls and other stuff to, like, help focus. Like, mm. there, there is, there's a root to it, you know? Yeah, it's silly like, when it's the team teenagers doing it on the bridge but i like that because no well um, because it comes back around in a cool way much like many of the other points here like and no and that is it does work there like after having that set up with Mm. the 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 kids with the bottles blowing into it um and then seeing like it it these bottles being used in like a very different but oh so similar way is is great i think it's more just the execution of like the bottles at the beginning could have also been kind of like done in a scary fashion and it still would have been effective like it didn't we didn't need to have that moment where we were sitting around being like ah candy man did it better i don't know it's it's a tricky thing but no that that is well done like it is it is neat also like how they stop and ask like are you there you know, like, can you can you hear us? Oh, empty man. Yeah, they're trying to manifest yeah. something, and you hear and... something in the dark. You know, and our our protagonist like kind of pulls back away and and then leaves, and it's neat. It's neat. It's, it, it, it. Well, we'll come back to that later because that actually does have payoff. It does in, a, uh, in the best in, way, in a cool way. But after that, he uh, sort of like talks to one of the one of the cool teens he sees smoking outside. Young like, Hunter S. Thompson. Young Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> um, and uh, sort of asks him about uh, Bullcut Girl. And he says, nah, she's not here. She's elsewhere, which we thought was edgy. But uh, that actually has a fun payoff, too, I think. Uh, he tells her that there's like a like a, a camp downstate where like the high level members go to try the ascended, to, the ascended yeah. or whatever uh and sort of directs him there and he goes down there and it's a it's an old summer camp called camp elsewhere <laughs> i thought that was funny uh it's hokey but i enjoyed it but there he finds like old cabins and we get a, a very like classic cliche horror thing of him like finding old cassette tapes and like watching them uh, I thought it was pretty spooky, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it may be cliche, but the the elsewhere the camp the, elsewhere the stuff. Content, yeah, that oh. whole sequence is maybe one of my favorite of the whole movie. I, Un, unlike the googling sequence earlier, which is cliche, it's done, but it's 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 done well. Like you can you can you can do cliches all day. Just just do it. Like bring something a little new to the table. Give me a little texture. Put a little something mm. on it. And uh, the Google scene is just him googling about tulpas. But this. 
this has got some real texture to it. It looks awesome and is deeply horrifying. Ben, if you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, it helps that it's on a spooky VHS tape. Oh, so yeah. And, uh, and it's shot in, like, night vision, yeah. of course. So. And uh, the scene is very intense, too. It, you know, it's the, the guy, he uh, essentially goes catatonic, I believe. He seems and, to be possessed. He's, yeah. manif- he's manifesting something. All of the tapes are labeled like encounter number manifestation what? manifestation number, yeah number yeah. such and such. They're trying yeah. to make make the empty man. They're trying to manifest the empty man. But yeah, we see like someone get possessed seemingly, and there it sort of like goes over the course of like his possession. At one point, he's like digging around like in his own guts, like he's like pulled out, like pulled open his side, and that's really spooky. They use the blood to like make some sort of like mural or pattern on the wall. Yeah, it- of like uh, the uh, the silhouette of like a person sitting and like being like pulling things in from outside. The empty man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they love the empty man. They sure do. But while he's there, he also finds files on all of the kids from the beginning and also one of himself, which is like, what? 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 It's a red folder, It's a too. red folder. It's a different color from all the others. And he sees a light off in the distance and goes uh, to investigate and sees a big bonfire surrounded by, like, dozens of people, like, jogging around it. Uh, I thought that scene was pretty spooky, too. Oh, I loved that scene. And it's like the—they're, like, chanting and— like the the fire gets like bigger and shoots up into the sky and we have this moment where like the stars over him sort of like shift and blur and then it just like stops and the fire is out and they all start walking away and then as one they just like stop and look at him simultaneously off in the distance i thought that was really scary yeah terrifying because there's a lot of them it's well yeah that's that's what makes it spooky i think is like that's the kind of thing that's done to death in horror movies where like somebody's watching the monster or the killer off in the distance they turn to look at them but this is like a hundred people yeah it's just like a whole crowd and they all just like take off after him well and well, he like, like takes like, a before step they even back take off yeah like he, yeah. oh yeah i forgot about that he, he takes a step back and they all simultaneously take a step forward just one step forward yeah. and like and he just has like the best response Response that we're just like oh fuck this like, <laughs> yeah. like and it's just it's such a, like a like a viewer thing he's like, to say. He's like, like it's very no, self-aware that. yeah <laughs> he's like ah <laughs> well and, and when he gets into his car after the chasing dude he's driving away he's just like what the fuck was that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again like suddenly our protagonist is like super relatable and like i'm just wondering like where was this where was this before like i love it um yeah amazing well he's been he's been growing into it uh should we talk about the ending i think there's a lot to talk about yeah there. yeah, yeah I think it's like, about time yeah we've hit most of the other centers oh uh one last thing i want to mention is the empty man uh up until this point like has made several like up 
appearances, usually dreamlike oh, and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. And I, just and have I to say, don't like those, um, honestly. Yeah, that uh, those those leading up, it looks like a less scary version of the ghost of uh, Christmas yet to come from a Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> it's just it's like, it a, really like a, a, it's it's a, like a, it's not as scary. Like like it, it, it Muppet Christmas Carol house. did it. That that is is still I think one of the most horrifying sequences I've seen in movies. And I know it's a children's Muppet film. I don't care. I agree with you though. It, that design is awesome. Just like the void hood where it's just like there's like empty fabric like it's just swirling into nothingness and just he points at uh fucking uh <laughs> scrooge yeah Scrooge. uh yeah but uh, uh played by um michael kane. michael kane like just points at michael kane and just the 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 baritones come in like it it's it's fucking horrifying and it just it just absolutely scared the living shit out of me as a kid i don't know it, it, the, it's the same premise it's it's a guy in a hood with some scary fabric i think it's close at times, it almost gets there, but it, it, it's not enough, and it's just well, that's a guy why it gives me bed. that fucking. Uh, especially when he shows up and stabs the girl in the sauna, is like gives me those fucking. I know what you did last summer vibes. There's like a spooky hooded guy who's watching, and he's coming to kill you. Especially when he shows up in our detective's house, like two nights in a row, like he sees the empty man, or I get the first night he hears him, the second night he sees him. Um, <laughs> uh, how, how very astral god dude it's that that shit, see, is, okay, that shit is lame yeah and yeah. It, that shit it's is totally where it falls into studio yeah. genre trapping exactly it's like and that's that's such generic hor- slasher horror shit yeah like spooky bye-bye man bullshit you know and especially like when you start to get into like the really like cosmic horror stuff is like yeah, why why is this unknowable evil astral entity playing these kinds of stupid little baby games? You yeah. know, like it, it's it almost it, it feels banal for like the the actual like higher concept stuff that that this movie closes with, you know, and let's let's get into that. Yeah, let's uh, say uh, baby bye 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 man to the yeah the 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 dumb spooky hood stuff and let's get into the the meat of it yeah so at one point he follows uh the the cool teens to a hospital where he sees them falling on their knees and like kowtowing before like a guy uh who's in a coma um he goes back later who could it be who could it be who could it be now uh (laughs) Uh, he goes back later and, you know, asks the nurse about, oh, who who is he? Who's this guy? It's like, oh, he's been being moved from hospital to hospital for uh, decades. And, uh, well, basically it's revealed that he is the the guy from the beginning, from the, the opening, uh, Justin Trudeau, who uh, discovered the, the empty man skeleton thing. And he goes in and uh, our bowl cut <laughs> missing girl is there taking care of the, the comatose guy. And she gives us the big reveal of the film. They needed an, a quote unquote empty man to be able to channel the empty man. Um, they an antenna, someone who transmits and they receive, who transmits contagious thought that spreads amongst other people, uh, hence the urban legend thought form stuff. 
very cool, but containing the essence of the empty man uh, is hard on the body, and, you know, he's, this vessel is, is near death. He's been the vessel for decades now and uh, is is nearing the end of his rope. So what do they do to try to create a better vessel, um, an even emptier man? Well, they made a tulpa. Oh my god. And who is it? It's our protagonist. <laughs> I will, it's I a cool will twist. Say, it's a, yeah. it's, 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 not, twist. it's not a bad twist. I'm, maybe I'm just a dumb dumb, but no, no. it genuinely surprised no, me. No, me too. Okay. I did not see it I, coming. I, no, I, yeah, I, I, I was quite pleased. I think I think that there is a lot of misdirection in the film. There's a lot of other like shit that you're trying to process that makes that revelation a little bit harder to reach. But I will say it was genuinely surprising for, for all my heaven and Han. Like again, my my heaven and Han is is at the red herring part. Like the distraction, boring as shit. The reveal, fucking awesome. Like our protagonist, just has, great. Our protagonist great. has only existed for as long as we've seen him in the film. The first scene we see him at, where he was sitting at the Mexican restaurant celebrating his birthday by himself. Yeah. That that was his birth. Yeah. That was and his birthday. He had just been created. Much he'd been thought into existence. Much much like uh, the the movie. Uh, here's a twist at the end of the podcast, or near the end of the podcast. I've been thinking about this shit for days. I love the shit out of it. Yeah, like, it is so too. cool. Like, yeah, um, and it contextualizes so much of what came before it too. Oh, like completely the, the him gaining a personality throughout the movie and gaining a sense of humor throughout because the movie. He was literally born empty. Yeah, He's, he is the emptiest man. And like, yeah, it, it recontextualizes so much in the movie. And that's why, like, sitting through the whole thing has a payoff. But I can also understand why by the time you get there two hours later, why some people would be like, oh, fuck this. Fuck this. I think, yeah, it's vacuous and boring don't have to be the same thing. I don't know. And again, like boring is subjective, blah, blah, and, blah. And but again, I was not really bored by this movie, but I can see why people I was. were. Like in, in that first quarter, like that quarter, I was bored, definitely. So he's had his entire life uh, fabricated for him, created by the bowl cut girl. She uh, created the touch that he was having the affair with her mom. They gave him the backstory of like some other cop who also had existed because he does interact with other detectives uh, a few times in the movie. So the, this this person that he is inhabiting uh, must have been somebody, uh, someone who grew up in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we get the after that revelation, uh, he's sort of like he like astral projects into like another dimension where uh, the empty man chases him and vomits all of his good black goo into his mouth. Well, not only does he do that, like, he develops, like, a tentacle head and essentially becomes, like, Nyarlathotep. Like, and you get the vibe that, like, he just straight up is. He is, like, the, the Yellow King. He is, like, the Star Seeker or whatever. Like, well, the- hang on now. You're listing multiple Lovecraftian deities that are all separate, and the tentacle-headed interpretation of Nyarlathotep was created decades after Lovecraft's death. Yeah, but, but she's still fucking cool. Like, yeah. like uh, yeah, I, I know. I know I, I know that Lovecraft didn't, like, do that part. Like, he just did ha, 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 ser, you know, bit. Him just being, like, a, a strange king. The Black Pharaoh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, the messenger, and then, 
like later on, yeah, some other author like made the cool like tentacle thing, but the tentacle thing is fucking cool regardless. I thought in this movie it that effect was really fucking, rad. Rad. Really fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. I will say one of the things with this film in general is some of the literal representations of that stuff is less scary than you know what can be imagined sure not uh, in this case not in that case <laughs> yeah. that that is one exception to the rule where i thought that was incredibly effective where the empty man yeah catches him and he's got like a featureless face and opens his mouth and then like all of the fingers come out of the mouth and then the head turns into the tentacle yes please and there's just a lot of like black goo being spread around yeah all things i love love all of that yeah. love all of that we've kind of glossed over it but like he keeps having these dreams of like an empty chair chair in a room and like in that sequence he ends up there and he like sort of sees beyond the wall and sees like the the skeleton and like its fingers start to move and then it like pushes its way through the wall and manifests before he like runs from it i thought that was all very cool and yeah. spooky oh, yeah it's fantastic um, I liked that a lot. It bookends the film. The movie opens with this amazing practical, like this amazing like creation, and then it ends with this amazing creation. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff in between too, I, but yeah, like the bookends of the film are the best right. for sure. Like, what was the runtime of this movie? Two hours and seventeen minutes. Yeah. Um. And yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in in this part too, like we we also get more bullshit about like the manufactured life he had before with like the wife and son who died in the car crash honestly that shit does not have any kind of payoff that is important at all it was weird that it I, ended on it i think it could have been cut entirely yeah. like that whole subplot like it's it we I understand it's like trying to give this character a tragic backstory and then it's revealed oh it's fake it was never existed cuz he's a tulpa but it's just like it just doesn't so, mean anything to me. I think what the, I'm wondering is if the poor reception that this cut originally got encouraged the pr like production to overstep and overcorrect. Well, I think. See, my thing is if the if the studio cut this down to 90 minutes, I'm betting they cut out all the good shit and left all the bullshit. I'm guessing they they left in shame. We'll never, we'll, you know, we'll never know. No, uh, but I my my guess would be that to try to make this more accessible for audiences, they cut out the high concept esoteric shit and kept more of like the generic studio. They really needed to go. Stuff. I can buy the it. The stuff that we've talked about that doesn't yeah. really jive with the rest of the movie, and that's why I think like there's a great shorter version of this film yes. you just gotta cut out the right stuff i think you can cut out all the shit with like her group of friends who ended up hanging themselves the really trim it yeah cut that shit down cut the him having the affair with her mom thing cut all that's all that we need for him to go to hunt for the daughter for that relationship to make sense all we need is he was friends with her dad before he died that's that's the only connection we need for that to make sense. So cut the affair shit, cut the dead wife and son in the car crash, cut that shit, cut the empty man showing up to his house at night and him waving a baseball bat around, cut that shit. 
and that shit's it's not terrible, but I think if you remove that stuff, then you'd have a really great like hour and a half, hour forty five minute version mm. of this movie that Preach. would be just like really, really supremely good. And instead, I, I think you have a messy but somehow still good movie. <laughs> somehow. Yeah, I think despite the length and despite some of the genre trappings and generic 20 to 25 percent of this movie, it works. It's still good. It, you know, it works because of the ending. That's what's confusing for me because, like, I had so many ups and downs while watching this movie, but, like, over the past few days I've been processing it. My overall impression is like I really liked this movie. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it is it is kind of hard to like to dive into like some of those like things. It's why like from the beginning I I've, I have tried to like express it as nitpicks. You know, it's just that I have a bunch of them with this movie. Um, I'm with you though. But I'm like, but like, and I and I can I can recognize it. Like at the end of the day, we're just some dudes like talking about like horror movies. Like it is to get that that level of nitpicky can can definitely come across as like kind of spoiled. And I, I and I start to feel that way a little bit. Like uh, I, I mean, that's what we do. The payoff is great. The whole, yeah, this whole podcast to... exists as an exercise. We're just doing the <laughs> like it's just talking about movies. Yeah, like, and the thing is like. Yeah. This is the closest movie I think we've gotten to a mainstream cosmic horror movie. And there are problems Outside inherent. of like maybe Color Out of Space, but yeah. But this is a mainstream. Color sure. Out of Space, Space is still in Annihilation. Like there are, yeah, like we're starting to see more of it. I agree with you, though. Like, straight, like, explicitly cosmic horror yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's mainstream or not, to be produced on a pretty large budget by a major studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, that's what yeah. I mean uh, entirely. Yeah. You know, big budget, 20th Century Fox, blank check kind of movie. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that this movie got made. Well, and- while I definitely agree that it's messy and imperfect, like, that is staggering and yeah. an achievement for it's sure a, it's it's an incredibly unique film uh regardless of how you feel about it it's something that is totally its own thing and is the kind of movie that i'm just staggered got made at all uh not to speak of being made by fucking 20th century fox yeah um and and i i think that the studio considers it a failure uh, and a lot of people consider it a failure, but uh, I, I do think that it's it's a uh, this movie's a diamond in the rough for sure. It's messy, it's convoluted at times, it has its its rough patches, but like man, it pays off in so many really interesting, cool ways that I haven't seen done before. I have one more thing, okay, um, to to mention, and that that is uh, I, I touched on it at the beginning, um, and I I, I said like. I want to put this on the back burner until we get to the ending. We're 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 at the ending now, and that is like the actual concept of tulpas and like the the origin of that stuff. Now, granted, I'm not a Tibetan Buddhist or monk. My knowledge is not that deep, but my understanding of it, which is funny too, because it's you can you can find this on the Wikipedia page for tulpas, um, uh, which our protagonist starts to read, <laughs> but um. Tulpas were a mechanism for meditation. Uh, The way way it worked, a crash course uh, rough version, is uh, the student is supposed to create their their tulpa, uh, this this god, and give it a name and uh, ascribe it with 
powers, personality, etc. And it, it basically it's it's the spiritual equivalent of a fanfic, right? Like you're it's an imaginary friend. Yeah, like it's a, it's an entity that you you create with your mind. And the and you the early in it student so hard that it exists. That it exists. But the next step in that process is for the student to then dispel it. And if the student cannot dispel the tulpa, they are sent back down the mountain in humiliation or in in blissful ignorance, and they don't pass. If you give your tulpa more power than yourself, if you can no longer control this thing you've created with your mind, you can never ascend. Like, you cannot pass. If, If Superman is more real to you than you are, you will never achieve that next, like level of clarity right like of uh, of spirituality like that's that's the whole point of tulpas it's an exercise and and a test for the student to to be able to 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 ascend yeah but these people aren't and like buddhists they're a doomsday call yeah and i don't mind so they're using them not using evil yeah yeah and like that's that's cool and like they're using it and it, it is it is being bastardized by a lovecraftian entity right like it's using that concept to fill that space. And so like the doll becomes real again, which is very cool and horrifying. And again, that's the same thing that Gaiman does. But again, like they separate the two, whereas this one doesn't. And I feel like I think it does. I think the red herring is that the empty man is the tulpa and that's not the case. The protagonist is the tulpa, right? The protagonist is the thought form that is created by belief. The empty man is real, right? Yeah. Which is why like it's only a small thing. I don't mind that they stick that they don't stick super closely to the Tibetan mythos because it's like... It's a bastardization. Yeah, and it's a bastardization. And that's classic for horror movies. You have a thousand different types of zombies. You have a thousand different types of vampire origins and mythos. Like, Mm. it's no different. Exactly. And, like, my, my point isn't with the twist at the end, like, and how they bring it back around. It's with some of the smaller details. Like, for instance, if we're trying to figure out what killed someone and it's a vampire, they don't find a note with the, just the word vampire on the back of it. Like, that's all I mean. Yeah, like, that was dumb. That was that, dumb yeah, as shit. Dumb. And that's what I'm saying is dumb as shit. It rides the line. And, and it's why, like, I'm not like, oh, man, they, they just, you know, like, it's all mysticism, like, across the board. And, like, I'm not, like, up in arms about it. I'm a little miffed, like, because it's one of my favorite concepts, and it is super cool, the idea of a tulpa, like, gaining more power than it has. Again, like, see my own work. Candyman did it without saying the word tulpa. I think that you, you could dive into tulpa, tulpas, but maybe do it more. I think the only reason they say it in this movie is because they have to have something concrete to tie the fact that the main character is literally thought made flesh to something. Sure. Yeah. To have a name for it. And that idea is tulpa. Like, I, I, I think that they, that's the only reason it needs to be named at all in this movie. Otherwise, I agree with you. Like, Candyman is a tulpa without saying tulpa but it's like we have to have that revelation at the end where it's like we created you from nothing and that concept has a name Mm -hmm. because it's 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 kind of esoteric you know sure and and, and it's especially challenging as a mainstream Film, you know, I would right. do on that. Yeah. I, I like, agree. You got to explain to the audience what like, I think. You have, to, you have to give. You have to. You have to give some grounding for that idea of. of I will say, a in, provide an alternative. 
another like trope that can be effective and fun. Your character coming across that writing in basically just a, a more fleshed out fashion yeah. like like when they're reading it they're like oh the person said like at the you know in some rhyming prophetic statement or whatever something something tulpa tulpa i keep seeing this word what does it mean have, and like have, there's some have, dialogue there and it's a little it's just a little bit more intriguing Stephen, than just like Stephen literally root, one word have steven root drop the name or something that sets him on the his research path or whatever the fact that she just had tulpa written on the back of a picture in her notebook is idiotic it's, it's too yes. direct yeah. and because of that it it's the least ballsy thing in the movie yeah to its detriment sure. yeah you know and i i definitely agree with like the way that information is dumped is sloppy we should mention because we did we did bring it up earlier uh the scene where he sees them trying to manifest something with all the bottles and they hear a sound and say is somebody among us that's pulled back around where he himself comes out and sees himself up on the balcony. And that it's was so cool. That was his birth when they he was witnessing his own birth, like cyclically, like they were manifesting him there in that room. Uh, thought that was cool I'm because he doesn't exist on paper. He exists in the mind. He does not exist chronologically. And that's that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And that they do organically too, like yeah. into their credit. That is never stated and it doesn't need to be, which is which rules like uh yeah it's, it's just expected for you to understand that all right well i'm gonna rate this thing uh we've gone long and i have to edit this tomorrow like you said ben in spite of all of the problems that i have with this i still think that this movie is a weird sloppy uh but ultimately satisfying achievement um i would recommend it for Somebody who's willing to give it its runtime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a big ask, and I don't blame people for not wanting to do that. But for me, it's going to be a solid four out of five. On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 59%. And I think because of that, the internet has, you know, early on decided that this was a bad movie to be dismissed because of 17 yeah. people's opinions. And I think that is a bummer because I think this movie is definitely not for everyone. It is very confident in what it's trying to do, even if it doesn't always hit its mark every time, even though it's sloppy, even though it's long, even though it takes a while to get to the point. I think it is a really unique and cool bit of cosmic horror. I agree. And I think it's even more impressive because it is a studio big budget film and it's so unique in that respect and i really enjoyed you know the turns it took you know i think the whole second half of the movie is really incredible um i'm gonna give this a solid four out of five i think it's definitely worth a watch cleveland bring us home also four also four damn if i don't love a a a tentacle coming out of a hood (laughs) and some some goo with a cool revelation uh i love a tentacle and a good revelation yeah no i did all those things it did all those things like i said this movie was almost a death of a thousand little tiny cuts for me but uh it it wasn't It, it it did it did really come through in the end and I, I'll give it, I'll give it a lot of credit for that. Again, it's, it's not a five out of five. Like I would give, like I gave Candyman, but like it, it's a strong four. It, it yeah. you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a dandy movie. It's just not a candy movie. Uh, dandy man. Also, uh, <laughs> the, this episode, um, 
if you're feeling a little if you're feeling a little down um uh just call your emergency medical thank you man and they'll they'll come by and they'll they'll just say thank you and and you'll feel better that that's our that's our sponsor this week thanks emty man you're welcome uh, well that will give the empty man a unanimous four out of five from all of us uh i think this is a movie that asks a lot of the audience but if you're willing to uh go into it with an open mind and give it your time then i think you you might you might get something good out of it i i it's it's a recommendation in that regard but also like if it's not your thing i don't blame you um Next week, it's Cleveland's Choice, and we're going to be doing a found footage. We are. We're going to be talking Grave Encounters. We are. A movie I've, surprise, surprise, never seen, but... Uh, I have seen this one. It's I've, been years now. Yeah, I've uh, never seen it either. It's very known. We've all seen the thumbnail of the person with the very long face that's been used. Big mouth. The big mouth screaming bitch. Yeah, I have big mouth and I must scream. Uh, <laughs> uh, face... Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jans is going to join us for that one, um, with some very cool insights. Fingers crossed you can make it. Well, come back and have a grave encounter with us. Uh, <laughs> until then, if you like the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating, a couple of words about why you like the show, a nice little review. Uh, and we really appreciate that. You can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit uh, and uh, leave you feeling empty, man, and, and not, not give any shout outs or anything because, uh, sometimes you just need to listen to another episode and, uh, or maybe stay tuned for next week for me to say the thing that I always say. All right. Well, this episode, Cleveland is truly the empty man with Mm -hmm. nothing to plug. I'm going to tease you. Oh, wow. Incredible. Uh, Well, I may be the empty man because I really have to pee. So (laughs) God, me too. (laughs) Bye.